Romans chapter 15. Let's stand together if you're able to stand and let's begin reading in verse 8. We'll read some other verses just previous to this, but let's begin with verse 8. Romans 15.8 begins with these words, Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God. When he uses that phrase of the circumcision, he's talking about the Jewish people, that the right of circumcision, R-I-T-E, right, the, uh, of circumcision was given. Um, so Jesus Christ was a minister for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. Now he's speaking about their Jewish fathers. He's speaking about the promises made to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob about a, about a Messiah coming, a Savior was going to come. And Jesus Christ was the minister to those Jewish people to confirm the promises made to them. But the sentence does not begin there in verse 8. It continues and says, And that the Gentiles, Gentiles being everyone that are not Jews, all those who are of the world that are not Jewish people. So he came to fulfill the promises given to the Jewish fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, For this cause I will confess thee among the Gentiles. A quote from the Old Testament. I will confess thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. Verse 10, and again he saith, Rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. Now he's writing this letter to the Romans. Rome is the capital of the Roman Empire. And he's writing this letter to them. There were Jews, of course, there, but predominantly they were Gentile people. So he's talking to them about how even in the Old Testament... He made it clear that the good news was for the Gentiles. Verse 11, And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and laud Him, all you people. And again, Isaiah, or Isaiah saith, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him shall the Gentiles trust. Notice the mention of Gentiles in verse verse 9, in verse 10 and verse 11, and again, more than once in verse 12. Now verse 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. I want, to just, I want to focus on this promise in verse 13 of hope. You know, in, this, in the Christmas season, that's a part of what the message is about. The hope that we have. And I want to look at that together tonight. Let's pray as we begin. Father, we thank you. For your word, how precious it is, how powerful it is, and how it speaks to our lives. And today we want to approach your word with open minds and open hearts, and we want to receive with meekness your engrafted word. We want to mix faith with the word of God. 
that we might see the fruit promised in your word. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, when you think about, when I think about the Christmas season, I think unlike any other holiday, any other time of the year, any other event, you, it can be viewed or it can be experienced uh, with, from various uh, emotions, but really extremely different emotions. You know, for a lot of people, it's a time of great joy, right? A great exuberance. I mean, children get excited about it. They get excited about missing school. They get excited about um, missing school. (laughs) They get excited about the hope of getting a present and missing school. (laughs) And even those of us who are not children, we get excited about it. Meeting with family, meeting with friends. I get excited when there's no school. (laughs) But especially this emphasis on the birth of Christ. I mean, that's the thing that really really is worth celebrating. God with us. I do it every year. I mean, I kind of get just caught up in this, and almost mesmerized in this simple thought that God would come to us. It's just, it's an amazing, fascinating thought to me. And, uh, and all the music, joy to the world, and, you know, all these kind of things. So it's a happy time for families, happy time. Did I mention food? <laughs> That's part of it. But for others, honestly, sincerely, for others, it can be the exact opposite. It's a time of loneliness, a time of, of uh, disappointment sometimes, a time of discouragement. Even despair, you know, especially memories of lost loved ones. It's, it's a difficult time for people. The lack of friends, the lack of family. And so instead of joy, on one extreme you've got this great joy, on the other extreme you've got sadness and depression and hopelessness. And yet, when you look at this passage that's dealing with the, the birth of Christ, the promise of the Messiah... It's a, it's a promise of hope. Now, Paul is not writing here to the Romans in chapter 15 about the Christmas holidays. But he is writing about hope. The message of hope. And if you look at this passage, the, the promise of hope just permeates this passage. Now, we didn't begin reading until verse um, 8. But if you look in verse 4, it says this. Look there with me, if you would, please, in verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime. Now, Paul's acknowledging the Old Testament writings. You know, some people act like the Old Testament's not really relevant or important, but Paul is referencing the Old Testament in verse 4 when he says, These things were written aforetime, were written for our learning, for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have what? Hope. That's why He gave us this book. That through this book, we could have hope. And as we said in verse 13, emphasized this earlier when we read, he, he says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing 
not believing in Christmas, but believing in truth and believing in God, that you may abound in hope. Not just hope, but abounding hope. The word abound means it's running over. It's, it's excessive. It's more than, more than you can imagine. Abound in hope through the power of God, through the power of the Holy Ghost. And so this, this is the exact opposite of hopelessness. You know, hopelessness is a bad place to be. I think hopelessness, is, a sense of hopelessness is probably what causes many, if not most, suicide or suicide attempts. There's no, I'm never gonna, it's never going to get any better. I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a pit of despair that I cannot get out of. That's hopelessness. But God is not hopeless. God is the God of hope. Amen. I mean, He is very hopeful. And as we mentioned in reading this passage, this, this hope was not just for the Jews. Now, the Jews had been looking for this promise to come for a long, long time. I mean, the promise of the Messiah, the Savior, was given... To, to Adam 4,000 years before Jesus, before Jesus was born. That was the promise was given and 4,000 years later it came. The promise was given to Abraham that one of his children, it was through his seed that the nations of the world would be blessed. And it was talking about the birth of Christ. 2,000 years before Christ was born. It's been 2,000 years since then. So... This, this promise was given. It was, the promise was given to David that one of his descendants would, would his descendants would never not occupy the throne. That the, 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 the Christ would come through the lineage of David a thousand years before Christ was born. So I'm saying that this, this hope of a deliverer, this hope, this is what he's talking about here, this hope of the Messiah endured all those many, many years. You know, we have a tendency to lose hope if something doesn't happen, right? Right away. We lose confidence. We lose assurance. They've, they waited on, think about this. They waited on this promise for 4,000 years, right? That's a long time to wait for a promise. But it wasn't just for the Jews. This hope was also for the Gentiles, Look in verse 9, it says, And that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. Now, I'm a Gentile, right? I'm not a Jew. And, but, but I have the same access to the mercy of God that the chosen people, the Jews, had. This promise was for not only the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. And if you look in these various places, like for instance, verse 9, he says, and that, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy, as it is written. Now when it says, as it is written, what does that mean? It means it was written somewhere else. And where was it written? It was written in Old Testament, the Old Testament. Here's a quote in verse 9 from Psalms. Look in, look in verse 9, I'm going to read you what... Psalm 18 says, Therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen. He says, in, our, in Romans it says, among the Gentiles, which are the heathen, non-Jewish people. I will give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. So, 
When Paul's writing to these Romans, he says, this great promise that God gave to His people, He gave it also to you. And he wrote about it. He, he wrote it in the Old Testament that the Gentiles would sing unto His name. And then he says again in verse 10, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but it's worth mentioning. Look in verse 10. And again he saith, talk about it in the Old Testament, again he saith, rejoice ye Gentiles with His people. This is a quote from Deuteronomy chapter 32. And then in verse 11 he says, and again, praise the Lord all ye Gentiles, and laud Him all ye people. Another quote from the psalm, Psalm 117. I'm going to read Psalm 117, 1. And you look there in verse 11 of Romans 15. He says, and again, here's what Psalm 117, 1 says. Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations, all ye Gentiles. Praise Him, all ye people. Not just the Jews, but all of God's people. Gentiles included. One last place. Look in verse 12. It says in Romans 15, 12. And again, Esaias saith, that's another way of saying Isaiah. And I'm going to read you from Isaiah chapter 11. It says this, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign, or a banner, a standard, an ensign of the people, to it all the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. So this message of hope wasn't just for the Jews. But it was for all people. I'm just inserting this. You know, we have this tendency, I believe, my, it's my observation, to, as New Testament Christians living in America, to think that everything that God wrote was written just for our behalf, and it was written primarily for Gentiles, but, but really the gospel was first given to the Jews. And it was the Jews who gave us the Word of God. And it's the Jews who gave us the Savior. And so, so the message of... It's, it's, it would be very unwise for you or I to disregard the things that are said to the Jewish people or disregard... We don't live in the Old Testament, but it's for our learning. And this hope, this hope is for everyone. Now, when I'm listening to the songs that we're singing tonight, uh, songs about the birth of Christ... The songs about what it would have been like on that night. It's not important what day of the month it was or what month of the year it was. But the important thing is that God sent His Son, born of a virgin, born in a humble setting in a manger, in a stable with, with livestock, animals, because they didn't even have a place for them in, inside. They had to, no place inside for them to rest, so she would... Mary gave birth to the Savior of the world in a stable. Isn't that, a, isn't that an amazing thing? I never get over thinking about that. And what did that mean? All the, all the wonder of that. And why? And it was be, so He could bring hope into this world. And that's what this message is all about. You know, we don't really see things sometimes. I, and I put myself in that. We don't really see things sometimes with the right perspective. But this is how God describes lost people. This is how God describes lost people in the book of Ephesians. Having no hope and without God in the world. Everybody that's lost is hopeless. Now they may have a job and they may have a house and they may have food in the refrigerator. 
But as far as God is concerned, they're hopeless. They're without hope. and they're, with, because, they're without hope because they're without God. So Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, born of a virgin, was hope incarnate. He, he brought hope to this world. And when, when you think about His coming, he, we think about His coming to this earth, He came to infu- just to fill our lives with hope. These, these, this description in verse 13 is so powerful to me. The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. So that's, the, that's this matter of hope, the promise of hope, the message of hope. And let's just, let's just look at this verse, verse 13, and think about where this hope comes from, the provision of hope. First of all, it comes from God. Look in verse 13. Now the God of hope. You know, another place it calls God the God of peace. And He is love. He's the God of love. But here it calls Him the God. He is the God of hope. I want to tell you today, if you have the Lord, you have reason to be hopeful. Because God is hopeful. He provides hope and He promises hope. And if you think there's no hope for you, you're leaving God out of the equation. And if you think there's no hope for anybody else, you're leaving God out of the equation. Because the God is the God of all hope. Amen? Amen. So we get, our, we get our hope from God. But we also get it, according to the verses we read here, look in verse 4, we get our hope from the Scriptures. Look in verse 4 again. For whatsoever things were written aforetime, the things that were written aforetime. I read some on the Old Testament book of Proverbs today. It was good. And I read some in the Old Testament book of Ezra today. And it was all good, but some of that was kind of hard reading. But, you know why, those, you know why I read in that every day of my life? Because it was written for my learning. Look what it says in verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have what? Hope. Hope. So we get hope from God. We get hope from God's Word. These things were written for our learning that we might have hope. If all we had to live on, if all we had to base our optimism on is what we see or what we feel or what we think, then we might lose hope. But we have more than that. We have God and we have His Word. And then we have, back to verse 13, talking about where this hope comes from. We have God, verse 13, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. So with the, we, have, we get hope from the Holy Spirit, the indwelling person of God, the indwelling presence of God, He gives us hope. I'm not always always upbeat. I'm not always optimistic. I'm not always um, as positive as I could be or should be, but I'm telling you, God is always, He's always optimistic. (laughs) Right? He never has a bad day. 
He never frets. He never worries. He never stresses. He never has anxiety. Not fair, is it? He never does. He's God. And you know what? If you're saved, He lives inside of you. This God of all hope lives within us. So we're talking about the value of hope and the promise of hope, but the provision of hope in these verses we learn, there's probably other things in there we could get from that, but we learn that hope comes from God. He's the God of all hope. Hope comes from the Scriptures. I can't tell you how many times I have found strength and hope and help and encouragement by reading the Bible. Amen? You say, well, that's never happened to me. How much do you read the Bible? (laughs) But then through the Spirit of God who lives within us, He gives us hope. Now how do we appropriate that? That's also found in our verse. This will be the last thing we'll mention. Now the God of hope, verse 13, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in what? What's the next word? Believing. That you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. How do we experience this hope that comes from God? It's through believing. It's through believing. It's not through our feelings. It's not through our circumstances. It's not through what we see. It's not through a positive mental attitude. It's through believing. It's through believing God. This hope is experienced by faith. See, I knew, there was a, I knew there was a trick to this. I knew there was some reason I can't do this. God's not going to force us to be hopeful, but hope is, a, hope is a part of our inheritance. Hope is why He came. Not just to give us optimism, but to give us truth and to help us to believe that God is able to take care of our eternity, but also take care of our lives. So, through believing what? Through believing in God, through trusting in God. Our hope is in God. Look at this, look just above verse 13 where we've spent so much of our time. Look at the last six words of verse 12. In him shall the Gentiles what? Trust. Trust. That's belief. When I worry, and surely you understand that I worry, right? When I worry, when I have fear, it's normal. I don't have to try to be fretful. It's easy. It comes natural. It's, but it's not spiritual. Worrying is not spiritual. Being negative is not spiritual. It may be natural, but it's not spiritual. And really what it is, it's evidence that I'm not trusting God. Right? It's evidence to me that I'm not trusting God. And really, how does it come? It comes through believing. Our unbelief, our distrust, our negativism robs us of God's blessing. And one of His blessings is hope and peace and joy. Amen? I'm ashamed of myself sometimes. When I worry about stuff. I'm ashamed of myself. And it's not because I'm ashamed because I'm such a carnal person. I'm ashamed because I'm not trusting my faithful Heavenly Father. 
who's always right, who's always on time, who's always good, right? Are you all with me tonight? He can be trusted. And I don't always trust Him like I should. And it makes me ashamed. Because He can be trusted. We, here's, here's how we like it. Here's how we like it. If I see what I'm wanting, then I have a lot of faith because I see it. But faith, faith is not having confidence because you see. Faith is having confidence because God says it. There's a difference. You know, you've, we're, we're from Missouri, right? Show me. Seeing is believing. But in the Bible, faith, believing is seeing. We believe first. And so sometimes we may think, well, it's just, this is never going to happen. We've been there boy, in our life before. You've got some financial need, and how's it going to happen? And you think, well, you think it's just too, it's too late, it's too difficult, things will never change. But I'm going to tell you, all those, th- all, those, all those natural opinions don't come from God. Because for God, it's never too late. Right? It's never too far. God can, do, God can do anything. These things don't come from God. In Psalm 78, it says this, that they might set their hope in God. Now listen to me tonight. I'm talking primarily for the benefit of Christians. That we have hope because we have a God who is hopeful. He's full of hope. And He's... He's in control. He's in charge. You know, the whole country's, the whole country's in a turmoil because our president is being impeached. And I think, for, just for the record, I think it's a fiasco. I think it's a, I think it's a, I'd say it's a joke, but it's not funny. It's heartbreaking. But I guarantee you there's no panic in heaven. Right? Because God is providential. God's, God's in control. I don't know what God's doing all the time or... A lot of the times, but God does. So, I speak, most of this is directed toward Christians who have the Lord and they have the Bible and we have the tools we need to have hope. But I want to say to those of you who are here who are not saved, you've never been born again. You don't have a personal relationship with God through Jesus. God wants to give you life worth living, and He wants to give you hope. People look at our world and they say, there's, no, there's just no reason to hope. There is a reason to hope. Amen. There is a reason. But if you don't have the Lord, you're hopeless. Now, you may, you may be popular in school, and you may get to go to college, and you may have a good career, but if you don't have the Lord, you don't have the most important thing in life. And you know how you get Him? By believing. By believing the Gospel. By putting your faith and trust in what Christ did on the cross for you. So first of all, we trust Him for our salvation. Look, I, none of y'all knew me when I, got, when I got saved. My wife did, but nobody else. Tracy did, but she don't remember. But I didn't get religion. I didn't... I didn't go to school and take classes and try to find out how to reform my life or turn over. No, I didn't do any of that stuff. I came to God as a broken down sinner and I 
turned from my sin and put my faith in Jesus Christ. And in a moment's time, He changed my life. That's salvation. That's conversion. That's the new birth. And it came through believing. It didn't come on anything I did on my part. It came because I trusted in God's Word and I trusted in His Son, Jesus Christ. And if you're here and you're lost, that's what you need. You need Jesus Christ. And we, we can't, nobody can save another person, but we're here to help you. We could point you in the right way. We could answer your questions. And I hope if that's you, you'll talk to us about that. But we'd also trust Him after we get saved. We trust Him for our needs. We trust Him for strength. We feel the need for His strength often. We trust Him for wisdom. God, I need Your wisdom. I need Your guidance through the day. He wants us to trust Him. So we, we, we believe. Believing is where we connect with God's provision for us. It's by faith. But also through believing not only in God, but specifically believing His promises. That's the verse we read a moment ago in verse 4. I love that verse. Where it says, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, we might have hope. We trust in what God says. I need God's Word, don't you? I need His Word. It's like manna. It's like food for the soul. We need God's Word to strengthen us, to feed us, to nourish us. And as we trust Him, He he gives us hope. He puts that within us. We need to trust what God says. Not what we see. Not what we feel. Not what the world tells us. We need to trust what God says. And God can be trusted. God is faithful. Amen. God is faithful. He's never failed. He's never failed. You read through the Bible, there are just so many times when it looked like it looked like there was no way. There were, and God comes through. You know why? Because that's the way God is. Just think about this promise of a Messiah. Thousands of years after He promised it. Thousands of years for the Redeemer to come. And He came right on time. And just as He promised that He would come in that time, He's promised us He's coming again. He doesn't tell us when. And skeptics mock at that. They laugh at that. They make fun of that. They say, well, the people have been saying that for a long time, but I'm telling you, it's coming. Matter of fact, it's called the blessed hope. Right? Paul said, the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, this is such a simple lesson, but it reminds me of a little lesson that I learned as a new Christian. We were living in Texas, so it was early on in our Christian journey. This would have been 1976 probably. When, but I, I, heard a, I heard a lesson about this uh, matter of the place of faith and the place of facts and the place of fruit. And it was basically a, just a little object lesson. But we want... We want to see, we want to see God work so we can have faith. But God says if you'll have faith, you'll see Him work. But what's faith based on? Faith's based on fact. And it was this illustration was like a, was like a train and the, the uh, locomotive was the facts. And what was following the facts was our faith. And what followed our faith was the fruit. Or I think they said the feeling. Everybody's wanting a feeling. You know, if I feel a certain way, I'll do a certain thing. But it all, it's all following the fact, and the fact is God's truth. God, what God says is true. 
And our believing what God says will produce the fruit that God wants us to produce. Now, I, I like this thing about hope. I think we need hope. I think God's people ought to be hopeful, full of hope. I think we ought to be optimistic. I think we ought to be, if anybody in the world has reason to re, be rejoicing, it ought to be us, especially in this time of the year when we celebrate the coming of Christ. We're not with, I was one day without hope. I was hopeless. Amen. But we're not without hope. Because we're not without God, and we're not without His promises. One day, I was thinking about this today, one day, loneliness and depression and despair will be done away with forever. Along with sickness and pain and misunderstandings and hurt feelings, it's all going to be gone. Isn't that going to be wonderful? Amen. No fake news up there. But in the meantime, we struggle. Listen, we do. With, with, in our humanity, we struggle. We have, we have challenges. All of us do. Every, don't, think no one, don't think you're the only one who has challenges. Every one of us have challenges and problems. We do. But through faith and through His Word... And through God, we have hope. Because we're not alone. We're not here by ourselves. We have a comforter who lives within us. And I want to walk in that hope that He gives us. And you know what? There's, it's, there's, it's very likely that somebody in your realm of influence, in your sphere of influence, somebody needs for you to be a beacon of hope for them during this season that can be dismal and can be difficult, right? But we're not, and it's not because we have, you know, I used to see these television commercials during the holidays and it would show this wife or this husband with this $75,000 automobile sitting out front saying, look what I bought you for Christmas. And I always thought it was especially funny when the wife bought it for the husband. And as though that's going to bring you hope. All I can see is that's bringing me misery, right? <laughs> Who's going to pay for the insurance, right? But that's not where our hope, our hope is not in material possessions. It's not in how many friends we have or how many free throws we can make. That's not it. It's in a person. It's in Jesus Christ. And it's in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you don't have Him, you need Him. And if you have Him, if you really have Him in your life, this hope and this peace and this joy comes through trusting Him and believing Him. My unbelief robs me of the joy and the hope and the peace that God wants me to have. And I'm just personalize it, but it robs you. And it's unbelief. Amen?